Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We know at this young age, Jesus, well, he grew. Now, look what he grew in. He grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom. What is that? That's mental. He grew in stature. He grew physically. And he also grew in favor with God. That's spiritually. And man, socially. So see, Jesus was balanced. His maturity was balanced. Today, Pastor Mark teaches that Christians should never follow man's commandments if they break God's principles. Today's headlines reveal startling news of people willing to do just that. Day after day, new ways to attack Christian beliefs surface and they range from absurd to horrific. No doubt we're in the midst of the end times. Thank God, but we need to remain strong in our faith. The book of James was written well over 2,000 years ago, but it is just as relevant today. Listen in as we learn how these truths apply to believers back then and how they affect us today. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 1, with part 1 of his message entitled, James, Jesus' Brother, Skeptic to Radical Believer. Now, I have three questions for you this morning. Three questions for you. Here they are. Number one, how many of you grew up in a in a home with at least one brother or one sister. Let, let me see your hand. Good. Few of you are, are uh, only child. Is it true only children are all spoiled? Oh, let's move on to the next question now. Okay. <laughs> How many of you had eight brothers or sisters or more when you grew up? Let me see your hand. Look, look at the hands. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. By the way, those of you with eight or more, you're very, very similar to the family that Jesus grew up in. We're going to see that today. Now, here's the third one. I want you to get your paper ready. I want you to get your pen ready because I'm going to ask you to do something right after this question. Even if you're not taking notes the rest of the service, get something so you can write a name down. Here we go. Okay. How many of you, and I, I want you when, you, when you answer, to raise your hand. I want you to keep it up. How many of you have a relative that's either a prodigal, they're backslidden, or an unbeliever. They've never come to Christ. Let, let me see your hand. Keep it up. Keep it up. L look. Now, here's what I want you to do. You can put your hand down. Here's what I want you to do. The first name that came to your mind, I want you to write it right on the paper right now. The first name that came to your mind, I want you to keep that paper. Because as I was praying over the last month, here's what I believe God told me to tell you that it's going to take us four or five months to finish the book of James. And we're going to pray 
few times every single week, you are, I am, for this individual or individuals. And I believe God can save them during the next four months. Amen? Come on, come on, come on. Uh, and some of you are going to say, Pastor Mark, I've been praying for 20 years. They never, they've never moved an inch. You're going to have hope this morning because you're going to see the life of James. You're going to see why God's asking us to do that. So keep that name by your journal. Keep it around. And we're going to watch what God does. Have faith. Nothing is impossible with our God. Amen. Now, let's look at James 1, 1. I'm going to cover a lot of verses today. This is the one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. The author of the book of James is who? James. Well, there's a lot of James in the Bible, and there was a lot of James that were around Jesus. This James is the half-brother of Jesus. He was known as James the Just. He was big time into Judaism, the legality, all the rules and the regulation. Now, Jesus' family, remember he was raised in Nazareth, was made of total five. Jesus, four other brothers, and probably, we don't know exactly, three sisters. So there's your eight children, the house, the family that Jesus was born in. Now, can you imagine being a younger brother of Jesus who is fully God and fully, he's perfect. Can you imagine going in the bedroom? Who gets the top bunk? Can, can you imagine your parents say, who did that? You're always back to you. You can't blame Jesus. He's perfect. You come home from school. You show the grades. Who's always going to have the best grades? Jesus. Pretty rough. Was Jesus that better at everything he did? Well, we don't know that. But how many of you are glad this morning you weren't raised in a home where there was a perfect brother or sister? How many are glad? Yeah. There's never been a home like it. There'll never be a home like it again. Now, as you think about that, this letter was written about 45 AD, maybe 48, somewhere in that area. Amazingly, it is the first, most commentators believe it is the first book written in the New Testament. Our order is different. It's the first book written. It often relates the book to the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. This is going to be very interesting. And when we get there, as we go through the book of James, we'll show you where James is thinking, I heard Jesus teach that. And he's going to relate it back to the Sermon on the Mount. Also, the book is a, a little disjointed. In other words, it, it gives you a little a principle, then it gives you a different principle, then it gives you a different principle, and then it goes to a different principle. It's kind of called the book of Proverbs, wise sayings. It's, it's the book of Proverbs in the New Testament. It's filled with practical information, how to live the Christian life. So it's just absolutely jam-filled with those principles. So we're going to have a great time as we go through it. Now, 
I, I want you to turn to Luke 2.52, if you will. Luke 2.52. Now remember, Jesus, when he was born, is fully God, but he's fully man. So he kind of sets his God part aside, and he's, ha- he's going to have to be raised in a home as a young boy, as a baby, then a young boy, then an adult. Notice a challenge for all of us as you see verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So Jewish boys back in that day would start school at the age of about six. So Jesus would have went to school. Now, in those days, they would learn pretty much it was biblically based. So they learned the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and all the rest, the Pentateuch. And they'd, they'd begin with that, and, and kind of that was infiltrated in every part of their teaching. Now, we don't know a lot about Jesus. We, we have one kind of snapshot at the age of 12, and then we really don't hear anything about him until the age of 30. But we know at this young age, Jesus, well, he grew. Now, look what he grew in. He grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom. What is that? That's mental. He grew in stature. He grew physically. And he also grew in favor with God, that's spiritually, and man, socially. So see, Jesus was balanced. His maturity was balanced. His parents expected him to be balanced mentally, spiritually, physically, and how to relate to people socially. That is exactly a balanced, healthy growth. Now, if you're a parent or grandparent, that's exactly what you should do. You want your children to be balanced, know how to react with people. And of course, to do that, you don't teach it by words, only you model it. Physically growing, never stop. Spiritually growing, never stop. You and I, as as we think of social, well, obviously, you're going to be relating to people your whole life constantly. And then mentally, yeah, we go. Our our mental, we we want to learn more and more and more. Now, I have, because we're kind of a different generation today, our young kids all have iPads and and, uh, smartphones and tablets or whatever. At Christmas, our kids, our grandkids, uh, we gave one and the parents gave another. Both of our grandkids in Denver have a little mini iPad and they use it and whatever. I want to show you parents two amazing apps this morning. So they're free. The first one is called Truth or Trash. It's a real small, it's a great app, but it's for younger, younger children. And it'll go and say, does God love everybody in the world? And your, your child might go, no. And they'll say, trash. Yes, he does love everybody. So it's a great way for you to train your young children. That's free. Here's the next one. You version the Bible app, but it's the Bible app for kids. For kids. It is phenomenal. It is all free. Now, there is a version app. Most of you have it for adults. This is for kids, so it's special. By the way... This is done by Life Church out in Oklahoma. They developed it. Do you know how many people, how many adults have the YouVersion app? More than 100 million people in the world have that app. It's all free. It's fa- if you don't have it, it is fantastic. So make sure you download it. So those are two kind of free things 
to just help us in our homes as we work. Now, what do we know about James from other passages in the New Testament? Well, I'm going to take you on a little journey. So if you will, turn to Mark chapter 6, and we'll begin to kind of get a glimpse of Jesus' young age, what was happening in the home. Now, you remember, after Jesus was born, God gave a dream to Joseph that Pharaoh was going to kill all the children two years and under, and you need to go to Egypt. So they went to Egypt for a while. They used the gifts the wise men gave them to survive. Then they went way back north again to Nazareth, and they would live there pretty much until the age of 30. Now, during Jesus' ministry, he kind of left Nazareth and he began to minister. And for about a year, he ministered in Capernaum, not too far, it's still in the north. And that, that became his, kind of his place of ministry. So Jesus goes back, after he's been there in Capernaum, he goes back to Nazareth. And the people are hearing about him. And I want you to see their reaction of Jesus. Look at verse 6. Excuse me, verse 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And watch this. They took offense at him. You, You see, Jesus was telling people he's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He is going to be the one that's going to provide salvation. And they're going, you got to be kidding me. This is a carpenter kid. Remember him traveling with dad, carrying the wood around? This is a kid. He's nothing. He's a boy. He's useless. And so this is kind of the reaction that's going to happen over and over again. They don't believe he's the Messiah. They don't recognize him as the Messiah. Now, notice what we see in that verse. Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters. Notice Mark names them, the brothers, and tells us they're directly connected to who? Mary, right directly, the mother of Jesus. So it's very clear from Scripture, some of you were raised to believe a little differently, that Mary and Joseph had children. Mary did not remain a perpetual virgin. You'll see that in a moment. So Mary and Joseph had children, and you'll see the wording as we go through. And let me show you what happened. Remember when Joseph received the vision from the angel that Mary was already pregnant by the Holy Spirit? This baby would not be his. It would be the father would be the Holy Spirit. So after hearing that, he and Mary, they lived together. But Joseph did an amazing thing. He waited for sexual intercourse with Mary till after Jesus was born. But look at this verse. You see it in Matthew 1. He did not, Joseph, have sexual relations with her until her son was born. See, it's not his son. Her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus because that's exactly what the angel told him to do. Now, so what does that mean? It's very clear It's very clear that Joseph and Mary, after the virgin birth of Jesus, had children together. So Jesus, in fact, is called the firstborn, her firstborn, which implies that the others were born, other children were born after. So these brothers and sisters were not cousins 
of Joseph's sons from some previous marriage. Joseph wasn't married before. They were Jesus' brothers and sisters from Mary and Joseph. Now, interesting enough, in that verse, Joseph isn't mentioned. So probably, we don't know, but we probably think by that point, he died. It could be that Joseph died very early, and Jesus, being the oldest child, had to kind of take over. We really don't know how all that fits in. Now, turn with me to Mark chapter 3. As Jesus began to minister, there was a problem in the home. Mary knew, Joseph knew who Jesus was. He would be the Savior of the world. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph probably told their children that. But the children, the brothers and sisters of Jesus, did not believe Jesus was God or that Jesus was the Messiah. So when Jesus would begin to teach in different places, uh, people would, when he shared that, people would get angry at him. What do you mean you call yourself God? Mostly Jewish people, of course. And at one time, we, we go to a place called Mount Precipice, where they tried to throw Jesus over the cliff and kill him. So when Jesus was in the area where Mary and the brothers were, sometimes they would go and try to get him out of there. Shut up. Quit talking about that stuff. You're going to get yourself killed. And uh, we don't know what Mary would certainly have done that. We don't know whether the boys got jealous of Jesus. They said, go ahead. Keep opening your mouth. Go ahead. We really don't know happen. But earlier, I've asked you to turn to verse 31. But back in verse 21, let me share this. Look at me. Uh, Jesus is called crazy. By his brothers. He's a lunatic. They thought he'd lost it mentally. Oh, yeah, you're God. Let's take you to circles of care. There's no way. Now, look at verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. See, what happened is Jesus' teaching... Mary and the boys hear about it, and they go, and they're trying to get Jesus to come home. Quit teaching. Just quit teaching. But notice what's going to happen. The crowd preventing them to get to them, and, and so Jesus is not going to even interact with his parents. He's not going to go outside. He's not going to say anything, and he's not going to stop teaching. Important principle. I'm going to give you four or five important principles. So I'll write this down this morning. Principle number one, Jesus obeyed God first and not man, including even his own family. Now, at a young age, Jesus would have submitted to his parents, like all children are told to do. But when he became this age, he's 30 or 31 by now, he is always going to put God first. That's a principle for you and me. See, we don't obey man when man's commands break God's. God's always come first. Now, we do obey man. We do obey the law, driving, all of those kind of things. But when it comes, remember, the early disciples, they were told by the Jewish people, shut up talking about Jesus. Peter responded, well, I'm sorry. We're going to have to obey God rather than you. We're not going to shut up. Well, this is exactly what Jesus is doing. Remember, if you're a Christ follower, your first responsibility is always to God and his word. Always. This is what Jesus is going to do. Now, what happens? He not only doesn't stop teaching, but he makes a very important statement. Look at verse 33. Look, who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and he said, ah, 
Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So what does Jesus say? He does this. Here's the principle you want to write down. Let's explain it. Our relationships with other Christ followers are often stronger than with unsaved relatives. Do you understand that? In other words, there comes a time when our spiritual bond with other believers is stronger than with our blood relatives. It doesn't mean we, we diss them. It simply means our relationship is stronger with our believing moms and dads and brothers and sisters than our own relatives. Understand, that's going to happen. You've got to put God first, and sometimes it's going to cost you. And in this particular case, Jesus said, no, I'm not going to stop teaching. I'm sorry. Those people that want to do the will of God, that's what's going to happen. Now, when you begin thinking about that, and these relationships are more important and closer than our physical family, who is Jesus talking about? Here's an important key for us. Take a look. John chapter 7, verse 5. Look what it says. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. For 30 years, all these kids are being born into the family. Three sisters, four more brothers. For 30 years, they lived with Jesus, and they refused to believe he was the Messiah, that he was God. He lived the perfect life in front of them. He never sinned. They would have seen the fruit of the Spirit in his life every day. He was perfect and loving and kind and patient and wise beyond anyone else. That would remind him what he was. He was, he was fully man. The Spirit was in control of him. Then he left home at the age of 30, began his ministry. His brothers and, and, and sisters saw him, heard about him, amazing teaching, miracles, turning water into wine, his first miracle. They saw all of that. They, they saw blind people seen, and they still refused to believe he was a Messiah. You see, they were blinded and could not see that he wasn't just a man, but he was fully God. That's a huge principle for us. Here it is. Sometimes, write it down, the hardest people to reach are our own family. Could I hear an amen? amen? Very often, you will not reach your family. Somebody else will reach your family. Now, that doesn't mean we give up on them. By the way, you're definitely not giving up on them because you're praying for them. You got it? You got it? So what are you really praying for? Probably somebody else to have an encounter with them because it's very difficult for us because we're so emotionally evolved. There's not a person listening to me right now that doesn't want every one of their loved ones going to heaven with them. Not one. If you're like most people, you probably never considered the family dynamic that Jesus grew up in until today. Among other similarities we share with the Savior, we learned that Christ had some skeptics in His house too. Pastor Mark started today's message by challenging us to pray for one relative that needs salvation. Now, we know that God radically transformed James' life. Do you believe he'll change the heart of the one on your list? Maybe you're listening right now, and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
there's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will take a look at a few issues that Christ dealt with that hit close to home. He came from a big family. He was most likely ostracized by his siblings because he never did anything wrong. They told other people he was crazy. He was closer to his friends more than he was his family. Sound familiar? Be sure to tune in to learn how these common problems can be solved by following in his steps. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your